What's up, boils and ghouls? It's me, your demon dude, Lucifer. And you're listening to 6.66 FM H-O-R-D-E, The Horde. For those of you on the road in your Dragulas, it's a straight shot down the highway to hell. Hands at 10 and 2, unless you gotta take a moment to flip somebody the one. <laughs> I know it's hell out there, so I dug six feet into our library and summoned a little something that's even tastier than a fresh bowl of brains. Today we got the head witch in charge, the Crypt Kitty, the queen of horror herself. I'm talking about none other than Miss Reanimate Her. So stitch those ears back on, cause we're about to pour you a flaming hot cup of that sweet black magic we like to call Coffee Chat of Horrors. And remember, dog will hunt. Hey, horror fans, and welcome back to Coffee Chat of Horrors. Today, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the 2007 horror movie, 30 Days of Night. So grab a cup of coffee and a brain and settle in for the undead ride of your life. Based on the graphic novel by Steve Niles and Ben Templesmith, 30 Days of Night is a terrifying story about a small Alaskan town that experiences a month-long period of darkness. During this time, a group of bloodthirsty vampires descend upon the town, feeding on the unsuspected residents. The graphic novel was first published in 2002 and was a massive success, leading to a film adaptation. Directed by David Slade, who is known for his work on other horror films such as Hard Candy, Hard Candy is a great film. It, it can be a little hard to watch in some aspects, but a really good film. And the next film that he worked on, and I can't even say it with a straight face, is The Twilight Saga Eclipse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my world, vampires don't sparkle, but to each their own. I still have no idea what made these movies so big. I, I don't. Uh, if you do at home, let me know in the comments. I'd love to know. Slade's directing style in 30 Days of Night creates a chilling atmosphere that will leave you on the edge of your seat. I really enjoyed his directing in both Hard Candy and in uh, 30 Days of Night. No, I have never seen Twilight anything. Nope, not a hope in hell. The cast of 30 Days of Night includes Josh Harnett as the lead sheriff, Eben Olsen, and Melissa George as his estranged wife, Stella Olsen, as well as Ben Foster as The Stranger. His role is basically the role of Renfield. Danny Huston does an amazing job as Marlowe, the head vampire. All actors deliver a fantastic performance that immerses you into the terror of the film, which I honestly, yeah, to me, this is like the most terrifying vampire film out there. Uh, did you know that Josh Harnett did all of his own stunts and Melissa George did most of her own driving? There are some pretty wicked driving skills in this film. Uh, I found that pretty impressive. I really enjoy when I find out things like actors did their own stunts and you're just amazed at their skill set and the balls that they have to do their own stunts. 30 Days of Night is my most favorite vampire film of all time besides what we do in the shadows which are totally two different movies and god i love that quirkiness of what we do in the shadows and the tv show um i love it when films create vampire movies that go against the norm i was really impressed with 30 days of night it's not often that we get to see a horror movie that's both scary and genuinely innovative 
30 Days of Night manages to pull it all off. And the whole movie ties into one terrifying story. I don't know about you guys sitting at home listening if you found 30 Days of Night as terrifying as I did. I, I haven't seen a vampire film yet that has terrified me or gave me that dread feeling as 30 Days of Night. Now, do you guys remember the horrific blood-curdling sounds the vampires made in the film? Yeah, it's pretty cool on how they were created. It was created through a mix of screams from the actors with recordings of a local death metal band and various marsupials. Yes, I said marsupials. Uh, I find it pretty wild knowing that wildlife brought some wildlife into the vampire screams. If you don't remember it, go onto YouTube and check it out. It's pretty crazy. Not only did they use marsupials and various sounds from a death metal band, the signature roar of the vampires were the actors screaming while inhaling. <laughs> it sounds like it would be easy, but it's not. And yes, I have tried to do it. Uh, it is insane. And when you do do it, it does sound a bit demonic. Uh, it's not easy at all. I mean, I've tried it a few times. I dare you at home to try it. Try it out. Let me know how it works for you. The vampires in this movie are truly terrifying. They are not your typical romanticized versions of vampires we see in so many movies and TV shows. These vampires are brutal, vicious, and bloodthirsty. What makes these vampires so interesting is that the vampires in 30 Days of Night are portrayed as more animalistic than human, with little to no remorse for their actions. This makes them all the more terrifying and difficult to defeat. It's also their, the way they communicate, the way they do things is definitely unhuman. Whereas in numerous vampire movies like uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula or any of them, they are more human than undead, especially like in True Blood. So I, I find that these vampires, th there's like no humanity left in them. They're undead predators that are ready to eat you in a heartbeat. Talking about their ability to communicate, not only were they able to communicate silently to outsmart their prey and their physical strength and agility make them basically unstoppable. The really cool thing about the vampires and the way they communicate in 30 Days of Night is the language. What they are speaking is a completely original language. It was created for the film with the help of a linguistics professor at the New Zealand University. I think this is super cool that they decided to create a, a language for the vampires to actually talk. I know as a kid, my cousins and I, we had our own language, but I, to hell if I can remember any of it, I would love to know how long it took the actors to get down the language and to understand one another. I think that's a pretty cool, a nifty tidbit there. Now, remember me telling you about The Stranger? Well, 30 Days of Night has their very own Renfield, which is a nod to the character R.M. Renfield in the novel Dracula by Bram Stoker in 1987. 
The parallels in this include both were approached by a vampire before the main characters. Both had a hunger for blood, Renfield for bugs and birds, and the stranger for raw meat. Both were locked away for the safety of others. Both expected to be rewarded for their assistance to the vampires, and both were ultimately attacked by the vampire. Yeah, kind of crazy, right? After you do all of that stuff for him, and then he turns his back on you and screws you over. Here's a fun fact for you. Psychologists today refer to patients who have a vampiric hunger for blood as suffering from Renfield syndrome. You know, there are quite a bit of people out there that believe themselves to be vampires in one way, in one form or another. Uh, I have quite a few friends that call themselves vampires and they do vampiric things. Unlike the undead vampires that we see, none of them really drink blood from what I know. Do you know any vampires? If so, let me know in the comments. I'd love to know. The movie's special effects were also a huge part of its success. The vampire's makeup was done by the legendary makeup artist Gino Acevedo, who has worked on films such as Daybreakers, another one of my favorite vampire films. I mean, it's not up there like my number one, but Daybreakers is a really good film, and I would highly suggest you check it out. As well as Wes Craven's new Nightmare. Yeah, Acevedo did uh, the makeup for both of these films. And I, I liked Wes Craven's new Nightmare. It was definitely a different take on the Nightmare on Elm Street. Acevedo's work on Vampires in 30 Days of Night is both terrifying and impressive. And I really, really, really thought it was impressive because... There wasn't a, a crap ton of makeup on the vampires themselves, but their skin looked dead. Their eyes looked dead. Um, everything about the look of these vampires were scary as fuck. And, and the one creepiest vampire, do you guys remember, is the little girl. That little girl vampire I thought was the creepiest out of the group. And you could tell that she was an old vampire. And I kind of feel bad um, when children are turned into the undead because they're stuck in that body of a child forever. And I think this would make life as a vampire very hard, especially when you're looking for companionship. I mean, we all know that vampires will live forever and be eternally alone would suck balls. I mean, I gather you could lure predators in as a child like we've seen in what we do in the shadows with a tv show with the two young vampire girls but i think it would be super hard as a vampire stuck in a little girl's body and yeah like companionship as well there was this really cool tattoo on uh the little girl's arm it's a logo of a german industrial band now i could not pronounce the name of the band so I did post it in the description. If you want to take a look at the band's name, it is in German. And well, I wasn't even going to attempt to try to pronounce it. Another aspect of the movie that I found interesting is the use of the practical effects. The filmmakers used a combination of practical and digital effects to create the film's various gore and violence. And I love gore and violence, which adds to the film's overall realism and horror. And What's really good about this is you can't really tell what was CGI and what was practical effects. And I love that. I'm not a huge fan of CGI. However, I think 
CGI, you know, sprinkled CGI on top of practical effects and you got yourself some really good visuals. I don't like overly done CGI and I think that's one of the biggest reasons I cannot stand like Marvel or DC films just just because it's like tons of CGI and everything. I know I know I know you need CGI to do to pull off some of those tricks cuz I doubt they can do it with practical effects. But I'm still much a practical effects girl. Grew up on the 80s horror where there was no CGI whatsoever and everything was done by hand and by makeup and all sorts of fun stuff. I will say one thing that struck me about this movie was the way it portrayed the isolation of the town. The fact that it's dark for the whole month really ramps up the tension and creates this feeling of being completely cut off from the outside world, which in itself is pretty damn scary. Knowing that there is no way out and no way of getting help into this town yeah, I could just imagine the dread that would be felt if you were in that town or you were in that predicament. I mean, back, you know, two years ago, we had some slight isolation during our pandemic in the 2021, 2022 area. And in that itself was horrifying. I could not imagine feeling of being so helpless in a small town with really no way in, no way out, no getting help, dark for 30 days, and you're being ripped apart one by one by these vicious vampires. I just, yeah, like, wow. Just thinking about that isolation kind of gives that, like, dread feeling in the pit of my stomach. The entire town of Baro used in this movie was built in New Zealand. All the scenes were shot there or on a sound stage where it was easier to control the fake snow. Yep, all that was fake snow. That blew my mind. In reality, Barrow, now known as Utkivuk, I know it sounds so weird, doesn't see sun for roughly 67 days. And I know the movie says 30 days of night, but uh, this place actually hits 67 days of darkness, no sun. And that sounds insane to me. I, I do not think I could live in a place that was dark for two months and a bit. I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I could. Uh, most of the night shots were shot during the day, which is really cool, using the day for night process, which is so surprising. And I would have never known that by just watching the movie. By watching the movie, you honestly think it, they're filming at night. Uh, it's really cool to see some of these processes that they have nowadays to create that night feeling or that look or a specific look that they want. One of my favorite scenes is the aerial shot that they do of the blood on the streets. Ah, that is so cool looking. It's the bright white color of the snow really made the blood shine. And, you know, that aerial view where you see like the bodies on the ground and blood splatter everywhere. I, to me, I was like, wow, that is that is cool. It reminds me of like the opening shot of Candyman, the original Candyman, where they're going through and you see the drone imagery. Yeah, ah, I love those shots. They're very, uh, very cool. Did you know that most of the snow was salt and the rest of the snow was edited to make it look like it was real? Yeah, that, I, another tidbit of information that, you know, blew my mind was the snow that we've seen wasn't even snow. It wasn't even real snow. It wasn't even technically fake snow. It was salt. And then they went in and utilized some of the CGI to help edit it more and create 
a more real look of the snow. And that is kind of crazy. Uh, I wonder how much salt they actually used. I know I tried to look for that. And I couldn't find out how much salt they used in this. And you know, that's Hollywood and their hijinks. You know, we've got shredded condoms, KY jelly, salt for snow. Yeah, Hollywood's got some crazy shit going on, but they got some crazy creative people out there. One thing that I have noticed by watching this film as many times as I have, if you watch it after listening to this, just keep your eyes open. Uh, in the film, when everybody is talking, it, they're outside, right? And it's cold, so you see everybody's breath. What I noticed in this film, when the vampires are outside, there is no visible signs of their breath, unlike the humans in the cold. So I thought that, was that done on purpose? And it could have been done on purpose because basically they're dead. They don't need to breathe. Like really, what vampire needs to breathe? They don't. They can probably live underwater for as long as they want. Maybe they'd get waterlogged. Um, but uh, I don't think they really need air to breathe. So I thought that was a pretty cool thing. So yes, if you do watch the movie again, check it out. Now, it's important to note that this movie does have some flaws, such as a few plot holes and some questionable character choices. <laughs> However, these do not detract from the overall experience of the film. And if you're sitting here thinking, well, I haven't seen this film yet, please, please go out and watch it. Uh, 30 Days of Night is a, an amazing vampire film. It's very innovative and it has two other sequels that go to it. The other two sequels are good, but I, I, I don't feel, in my opinion, they're as good as the first one. The ending of this movie is really something. It's bleak, it's brutal, and it's absolutely unforgettable. The love and loss of love that happens in the end really hits you in the feels. And I think it's safe to say that 30 Days of Night is one of the best vampire movies out there. And I'd love to know, what did you guys think about the ending? Did you think it could have been changed? I'd love to hear more if you want. Uh, hit me up in the comments down below. Here are some cool facts about the film. Uh, according to the artist, uh, uh, the comic book, Ben Templesmith said the working title for the film was Crackers in Alaska. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. When I was digging up this fact, I was laughing out loud. I'm like, Crackers in Alaska. Yeah. Is funny. Also, there is a picture of Steve Niles that is hanging in the attic when they're hiding out. So there's a part where the vampires are coming, these people are stuck, and they start leaving and they go into this house and they're in the attic of this house. And uh, as you bypass it, you can actually see uh, Steve Niles, the creator of this, hanging in the background. When the prince was shipped to some of the theaters, they were under a fake title called Red Impressions. And we know many films have done this in order to protect the film from being leaked or stolen. We know there's lots of scummy people out there in Hollywood and this type of stuff does happen. So this isn't a rare thing. A lot of people, a lot of creators, directors, uh, producers, they will always name their films something else to throw people off the scent. I think it's a really smart idea. Now, when I was digging up all this information, I was reading stuff. And I found out that in an interview with Slade, the amazing Sam Raimi was slated to direct the film when the script was in its earliest stages, but then opted to produce instead of direct. 
And, you know, to this day, I am actually intrigued to see what Sam Raimi could have done with 30 Days of Night. Not to take away from Slade, because I think Slade did an amazing job, phenomenal job. But I do love the filmings and the stylizing of Sam Raimi. I, I would love to see what a 30 Days of Night film would look like from his point of view. In my opinion, this is one of the first films about vampires that lead us away from the seductive, romantic vampire films that we are, are so used to seeing. And that is why I had to give it the Coffee Chat of Horrors deep dive treatment. I find that there are way too many romantic films about vampires. Uh, I mean, we even have the TV shows, example, True Blood. Um, they show that vampires sleeping with humans, having relationships with humans, and yes, they are predatory beings. However, they show that they're more humanized or mainstream. And the same thing with a lot of these films, same thing. The vampires are more uh, romantic. Now, don't get me wrong. I love vampire films, love Lost Boys, love True Blood, um, love those, those films. Uh, but I really, really love seeing vampires portrayed for the undead beasts what they truly are and they are deadly predators they're not there to sleep with you they're not there to seduce you they're there to rip your freaking throat out and suck all of your blood out now i i cannot think of any other undead or monster films that are so romanticized yeah we have like frankenstein's monster and the bride of frankenstein but i still don't feel that it is romanticized as much as vampires and hell, none of the werewolf films I have seen or TV shows show this much romance with werewolves, except, again, True Blood, where they have all sorts of crazy shit come out of the woodwork. And I love, 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 love werewolves. And I think we need more films and more TV shows on werewolves. I would really, really love to see a spinoff of What We Do in the Shadows Werewolves. I think that would be super fun. Uh, I enjoy the commentary of the werewolves in that movie and the TV show, and I feel that we need more of it. Yes, we do. Now, I know. I'm already off track. I gotta get back on track. Overall, 30 Days of Night is a must-watch for any horror fan. It's a unique and chilling take on the vampire genre that will leave you with a sense of unease long after the credits roll. And if you are a fan of graphic novels you'll appreciate how faithfully this movie adapts the story. It is a really great example of the successful adaptation that captures the essence of the source material, which I find in many adaptations are hard to pull off. And sometimes they don't do it well or they just pull it off. Uh, this one is really good. Uh, I, I suggest that if you like graphic novels to go and check out the 30 Days of Night. I, I have a feeling that you would definitely love it. Now that we're getting towards the ending of the show, I definitely want to know if you had a choice between the two, becoming a vampire or a werewolf, which one would you do? For me, I would love to be a werewolf. There are more pros than cons than a vampire has, and I get to eat meat and hang out in the sun. I mean, that's pretty cool. I'd love to know your con I'd love to know what you guys are picking. Go into the comments here. Check it out. Let me know. Werewolf or vampire. Thank you guys so very much for tuning into today's Coffee Chat of Horrors podcast. I really do hope you enjoyed my deep dive. But before I wrap it up, I wanted to remind you to follow me on all social media so that you can stay up to date with the latest episodes and other fun and exciting content. 
You can find me on all media platforms under Reanimate Her or at Coffee Chat of Horrors Podcast, CCOH Podcast on Twitter. And if you want to check out all of my other links and social media down below in the description, I would love to connect with you and hear your thoughts on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode of 30 Days of Night, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve, but it also helps me reach a wider audience that loves horror. Make sure to join me next time for another spine-tingling deep dive. I will be discussing Faces of Death. Until next time, stay spooky, my friends. Hi, creepy. I am Reanimate Her. I know, it just sounds like a porno all of a sudden. Some zombies start stripping their clothes off and shit. Details later. We got our ball cleavage back, ladies. They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming for you, Barbara. Do you want a game and get your jollies off as well? This is Coffee Chat of Horrors.